All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie. Audio visual from an Irish perspective. This is the All Things Techie Podcast. It's just Dawson, it is. The All Things Techie Podcast. It's episode 30, listeners. Wow. Uh, welcome to Dublin, Ireland and the backdrop. It's uh, evening time in Dublin, Ireland. It's quite miserable outside. Yeah, this is a green screen. I won't lie, this is a green screen. And do you know what? I love my new stream deck. I've been playing around with the stream deck so I can do things like this. And bring up the music again. So uh, coming up in episode 30... Earlier on today, I caught up with the guys, uh, the ones that were on a program earlier, <laughs> earlier in the year, back in March, where we started talking about COVID-19, believing that it was going to be something that maybe would close down the country for about two weeks. How wrong were we? How wrong were we? Okay, maybe there were some people on that panel that said, no, Justin, this is going to go on for some time, like Joe Way and other people. And as the country and countries, plural, start reopening again, we ask, what's in store for AV? What's in store for conferences? Schools reopening, holiday plans and more. It's the All Things Techie podcast, episode 30. The All Things Techie Podcast. Subscribe, like, and share. It's episode 30 of the All Things Techie Podcast. Who would have thought that back nearly four months ago, we were joking and laughing, saying, hey, we're in lockdown. Yay, the kids are home. Everyone's at home. We can work from home. We can do whatever we want from home. Who thought we would still be here several months later in July? To give you the Irish perspective, we're into phase three which actually is phase four and three combined together what does that mean listeners well it means that the pubs have opened up again if you are having food that is a substantial meal now a substantial meal equivalates to nine euro a person each so what interesting seven dollars michelle or so yeah but you can only stay in the venue for all of 90 minutes oh (laughs) After saying that, uh, our schools are still talking about opening in September with a two metre distance. Creches have reopened, but they work in pods. Um, I haven't sent my son back to creche. Uh, You can go on public transport and travel around the country now, not just uh, the town or city that you're in. Uh, but they do recommend as mandatory that you wear face masks, but no one is um, actually enforcing that. So our Friday and Saturday nights was just chaos in the city centre with pubs and clubs because no one was social distancing. So uh, there is sort of a pushback on whether we have to close the pubs again. What is happening over in England? Who wants to take this up? Graham, Adam, what's happening? Hey, Graham. (laughs) do you want to tell us (laughs) i mean so uh thankfully i'm I'm far enough away from london to be uh even on the outskirts of seeing the chaos i've reported on the news but 
I think it went viral by about nine o'clock Sunday morning. The picture in Soho on Saturday. That's right. Where there was estimated to be over 5,000 people in Soho Square alone drinking. Wow. Was well, there no police around? Is there, is there anyone adhering to this? Is there police, anyone police don't have the power to disperse the crowds, apparently. Right. So you so know what helps? You get mounted patrol because that's what they do down in New Michelle, Orleans. Michelle, on the uh, Black Lives Matters rally in London three weeks ago, there was uh-huh. a, and its rider, who was a female police officer, actually attacked it in. Not by the Black Lives Matter. It was actually a far right extremist group that got involved. So the mounted uh, police here are protected. I mean, the people that don't care. Really? Was, oh, that's oh, horrible. It's horrific. It, it made our news. It was horrific. You saw the horse get attacked. It was it was disgusting. Um, but when you compare the pictures of Soho to the fact, and Jace might laugh a little bit because it's a bit closer to him for home. You go 160 miles north up the M1 to Leicester. They're about putting a effectively a, a Springfield Simpsons 1990s episode <laughs> dome over the top of Leicester and completely quarantining the entire city. So I mean, it, it's it's, it's crazy. Leicester is us, yeah. You've got London, which is carefree, and Leicester, which has got to be so careful. I mean, and it, I, I don't know. Do these people think the virus doesn't travel by air? I don't, I, I, it, it 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 absolutely baffles me how London just forgot for the weekend. I do wonder if London's reached that herd immunity that everybody was on about right at the beginning. Because they were infected tremendously right at the beginning. And yeah. their infection rates really... Yeah, it's, yeah. Are you able to use public transport? Like, in, in London, is the underground going? Is this operation? The underground has never stopped. Yeah. All right. I mean, they got to a point where they restricted uh, the number of stations that are open, and I think that's almost now at capacity now of reopening. Uh, and there were certain periods of the time that unless you were a key worker, you couldn't use the underground. But throughout this, the underground has never stopped. The, the images they were showing of it, it didn't look any different, did it? It looked like the Northern Line on a Monday morning. So. Yeah. Wow. Packed. Okay, let's go, let's go into the transport. Is it mandatory to, to wear a face mask now on public transport in England? Yeah, it is, yeah. And it's and anyone... since the 15th of July. That's sorry, 15th of June. Enforcing it. It's, anyone it's mandatory in Texas now. Right, okay. Um, what about what about creches? Is creches reopened for you guys? Are schools reopened? Have you got rid of the kids? Got rid of one of them. <laughs> yeah, my my five year old's back to school now because he's in reception. So he's been back for about three weeks. Um, the nursery my little one goes to that that only just reopened, but you know because I think my little boy he finishes in two weeks' time, so we just thought we might as well just wait till September to send her back. But it's been quite nice. It's been hard work, but it's been nice having him around. Really. Are you still able to work from home, Adam? Yeah. Like- yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been into work like twice in 15 weeks. So but I'm starting to try and get back about once a week now because we've just, I've got, you know, like 21 installation projects queued up, ready to go. So I need to start getting some stuff done. And what, uh, what is my it? social media folk are about 3,000 cold calls. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like Chris now has just put that on Instagram as well. You need to be careful. <laughs> 
I think everybody's got my number already, so it didn't make any difference at all. <laughs> oh, it's such a. Uh, but yeah, so, so similar to similar to what Adam was just saying as well, Justin. I mean, uh, Penelope's five. She's uh, back at school alternative weeks, uh, so she do does a full week, and then the week that it's not a full week because my wife's a key worker. She's there on the days my wife works. So of the six children at home, only Ben, who's in year eight, hasn't returned to school since they've started relaxing and doing the reintroductions. No, um, I think he hates it. Are they doing full school days? Like, because there's talks here in Ireland that, okay, do we have to keep the two meter distance? Do we work with the kids in pods? And if we work with children in pods, you know, uh, there's not enough room. So maybe some kids will go in some days and other kids will go in other days. Is that what they're doing in England? Well, mine's, my, my son's back. He's got a bubble of about 10 in there. They're doing four and a half days a week, full days. So we drop him off in the morning, pick him up at just after three o'clock. They shut at lunchtime on a Friday to do a deep clean of the school. But apart from that, it's back to normal, really. I mean, you know, five-year-olds, how successful are they going to be at social distancing? To be fair, you know, they all understand it. They're all doing their best. You know, they forget from time to time. But, you know, from what I've seen of the school, they're having a really good time. You know, they're doing a bit of learning, but, you know, it's, it's just sort of like a bit of childcare, really, but he's loving it. I, he, he needed to go back. He was really missing his friends, and he, he's like, he's really thriving again now. He's really enjoying himself. Yeah. Now, what, what about your universities, Adam? Are you going to open in September? So, yeah, I think universities, uh, they're all different, but, um, yeah, we've said that the University of Hertfordshire has said that they will reopen, I think, 15th of September for the start of term. So we are still going to be a bit of a blend of teaching. So I think for big um, activities, it will still be online. But we're encouraging all the students to come back and sort of, you know, have the university community. But yeah, the big sessions will be online. There'll be a bit of a blend. So we'll do live stuff, tutorial groups where we can do the distancing and stuff in, in our smaller rooms will still be run. But yeah, I think like a lot of universities, we've sort of, we had to sort of say before the UCAS applications closed what you'd be doing and I think most people just said you know it'd be a blend of teaching while we sort everything out so Joe yeah. Wayne is joining in with us I, d I thought Joe was busy Joe was actually joining in with us oh we have trouble now Joe I thought oh, yeah. you were busy on a call with the National Public Radio and our podcast wasn't important enough to to come on board but you're here they, they rescheduled to Thursday. Oh, so I have to do my national press on Thursday instead. Nice. To, to, to let our listeners all in on the secret, Joe is going is telling the whole of America pretty much how his campus is going to operate during COVID-19. What are you guys going to be doing, Joe? Are you are you all online? Are you going to have any students from September? We are not all online, regardless of what the uh, press would like to say. Um, we are majority online, but we have a number of uh, courses that will still be held on campus uh, in some form or fashion. Um, but the students are coming back. We are encouraging people to, you know, do what you can remote just for safety's sake. Uh, but the campus is open. We're upgrading 300 and some spaces. We're already in a phase two, which is a little scary of our upgrades. So 
but no, it's uh, it's exciting. We're uh, we're uh, we'll sleep at some point. I have to ask both yourself and Michelle. Like, did you guys celebrate the Fourth of July, and was it Fourth of July at distance, or was the whole state just gone crazy? Michelle, I'll go to you first. Was it crazy in your state, or was it? Uh, it was crazy, and I didn't go anywhere. And I was invited to a housewarming party uh, for one of my uh, fellow Avixa Women's Council leaders. They bought a new home during the pandemic. Congratulations. Um, I just unfortunately, they're very anti-mask and we're Facebook friends, and I know that. And I certainly, <laughs> I mean, people have a right to be stupid. Uh, so I can't take any away anybody's inalienable rights. I just... I couldn't, I just, as much as I wanted to see her, I thought, you know, what, do I go for 10 minutes? And then as soon as two more people show up, now we're at six and then I leave. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? Like, what they say it takes 15 minutes to contract the virus. Do you wait to 14 minutes and 59 seconds? Gotta go, gotta go. <laughs> I know. I just, I don't know. I hate to be fearful, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of reticence on my part. So uh, just because... You know, people are like, well, if you're wearing a mask, why does it matter if I'm not wearing a mask? And I'm like, oh, flawed logic. Okay. So, no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Joe? Uh, did you stay at home or? Uh, we stayed at home um, mainly because normally I live on a little lake in a little suburban area and they usually do a fireworks show and a little, you know, community parade, but that was all canceled. So we just stayed in. We grilled you know the kids are growing up and out of the house and all so it's just different um but i did see uh it looked like the silent majority of l in southern california spoke loudly i don't know if you saw a video passing around of all the home fireworks that people were putting off it was actually pretty cool um, if you just kind of google uh, google like la and you know fireworks show someone took a drone and you could just see la just Light thrown all over and it was it's pretty cool i didn't i didn't see any of it i heard a lot of it but yeah there was yeah. uh it's interesting I, you i didn't know you live on a lake there's a, a lake in louisiana where they do the fireworks show as well mm -hmm. um unfortunately a storm came through and lightning struck the fireworks display that they had already staged and it just went up all on its own <laughs> without any yeah. outside so some people caught it on video but it wasn't the uh, fireworks spectacular that they had been planning yeah oh and, and you have to put lake in parentheses or in quotations because you know it's the kind of lake where they got to pour chlorine in oh. <laughs> okay you know uh, it's a very man-made lake uh, it's very well manicured the fountains are nice you know those are my favorite types of lakes <laughs> Dane was talking but about you can take the boat out on it so there you oh, go Oh, cool graham was talking about the simpsons movie that that just sounds like the nuclear power plant graham is nearby <laughs> you know radioactive absolutely <laughs> Now, Who lives in Springfield? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, going, we, we talked before about conference. If we think back of our episode where we were talking about what's going to happen, well, we found out that Infocom went virtual. Did you guys enjoy Infocom virtual or what did you get out of it? I don't um, think so. Yeah. I mean, it's just not the same. I, I, there was some great content, mm -hmm. um, and I enjoyed the great content. Mm. Um, and that's all I'm going to say. The content was there. The experience was missing. Yeah, the yeah. experience. Yeah. It was well said. Yeah, 
you know, but it's, t I mean, no one's nailed it yet. I mean, even running a, a virtual conference myself and everyone, it's, it's so hard to do. Right. And it's so hard to keep it organic. Uh, and it's I so arguably to... enjoyed the HEPMA virtual conference, which well, was a predecessor <laughs> than I did. I really did that. I felt more engaged in that virtual conference and I don't even work in higher ed. I just work with mm -hmm. higher ed and I love that. I don't know. It just the group was more engaged, I guess. So yeah. I'm going to sell LTSMG and Adam is the only person that's actually offered me free swag for attending all the webinars. I, I was told that I'm going to get a light meter out with LTSMG. I think the, um, from, from personal experience, because I, I sat through some of the HETMA, I also sat through um, some other virtual conferences. I think the bit they'll never be able to replicate, which will make adoption of it continually difficult, is emotion. You don't get the emotion of being in a room, seeing people, feeling the audience when it's at its highs or it's at its lows. You just can't transfer the emotion through a virtual platform. <clears throat> I mean, it's not even about physical touch. I mean, I, I shook somebody's hand for the first time in 16, 17 weeks yesterday. And it felt weird. It's like, but it's the first time I've done it. I was like, can I? So naturally, though, first thing I did, straight to my car. Yeah, hand sanitizer everywhere. Hand sanitizer everywhere. I was like, I wouldn't have done that. Um, Lee um, captures the not doing Infocom perfectly well but here in the UK we go to Infocom to move a whole time zone away from from home yeah. which means you're not being hounded by work you're not being pestered by work so you can really immerse yourself in the show and only the show when we're back here it's the wrong time of day and I'm, I'm videoed out by uh, six seven good point. it's the wrong time of day it's, it's online you're missing the emotion that Graham said I didn't even try, if I'm honest. I really didn't even try. My whole raison d'etre for going to Infocom is to get on another time zone, even just talk to the colleagues that I travelled with in a unique way, um, because we're not being pestered by everyone else. It, everything's lacking when you virtualise it, because, I mean, at best, the best coast is the Vegas one. Being eight hours away from the UK is good. It's actually a good thing for us. Yeah. No, I, I agree with what Jason's saying and, and with every, what everyone's saying. You had your main showcases on Infocom, but I just found that the site was confusing. Like, if I want yes. to find out about who is exhibiting new tech, I have to go into a different menu, a different page, and then finding out that or the whole virtual meeting people, if you want to talk to them. No, it's, it's like you show me a logo. I'll click on it and I'll see that what that company is offering the following. Okay, I want to find out about their latest products. But trying to find out who is uh, exhib exhibitions at certain times, no, that wasn't working. And especially in the time zones for Europe, it wasn't working. They did have some EMEA stuff at the beginning of the day. With, well, at, when I say beginning of the day, it was about midday so because of the time zone difference. So all these. I did the virtual 5K run around or walk, in my view, around um, <laughs> North County Dublin, you know, uh, but um, the, the table quiz, I would have loved to have taken part in the virtual table quiz. But again, it was like two o'clock in the morning here in Ireland and in England that no one's no one's interested in. Doing. OK, going. Graham has a point here. 
No, I was the only Briton that attended. Oh, he was the only Briton. He represented, yeah. 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 Good old young children as well, Graham. How did you do that? Say again? you got young children as well. How did you do that? I just, uh, well, the, the crazy thing was, and I planned it so badly, um, that finished at, yeah, 2 a.m. And I had to be on a call to Australia at 6.30, so I just didn't bother going to bed. I just worked through. <laughs> well, CJP, that's how you become the AV professional of the year, right? <laughs> you go above and beyond, and you just don't sleep. Ask Joe yeah. Way, ask Graham Kirkpatrick. That's how this stuff happens. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it, though, too often. No, that's why NEC got a bill for eight hours of overtime where... <laughs> but yeah, Jace, I won't lie. It was, it, was a, it was a moment of madness, but I thought to myself, you know what, I've committed to it. Um, it it's like when we do the AV happy hours. I don't, yeah. I don't adjust my head, in my head when I'm on it that we're actually doing this on a Thursday night and a Friday night, so... I'm getting kicking myself off at 3.15 in the morning of a Friday morning forget my alarm's going off in like three and a half hours to wake me up to get the kids ready for school. And then I'm back at my desk in five hours and I'm like, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> why not just leave at midnight, let everyone get on with it? No, because you're, you're an idiot, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, let's, let's talk about some events that's going to happen in the not-so-distant future. And one that I really question how it's going to go ahead is the AV Awards. Adam, are you attending the AV Awards this year? Uh, I don't know, really. We've we've entered as a team of the year again, but I don't know. I'm in two minds. I, you know, it's moved to October, isn't it? Or November, I can't remember. Yeah, November. November, yeah. So, I mean, it's quite a long time. It's, it's a long way away. If it's okay, I might go. You know, it'd be good to see everyone, but I, I just don't know how big events like that are going to run. How many people can meet at, at, at one stage in England at the moment? Now, I know the, the largest that we can have is 50 at a time. So I mean, churches have, have slightly reopened, but um, at distance again. So I can't see how they can, they can do a venue like the AV Awards. I think it's 500 still, Justin, I think. It's just, okay. Well, you, you guys are way ahead of us with regards to numbers that can meet. I personally... I'm, just not, I'm not sure how, you know, again, it's about experience, isn't it? It's going to be very different. And the AV Awards is quite an experience to attend. Um, with distancing and everything else in it, it will be well, obviously completely different. So I don't know. I think, you know, I'll reserve my decision on that for a little while. What what about you, Graham? Would, would, can you see yourself going to any AV awards? Um, and if so, do you have an extra seat available at your table? <laughs> <laughs> and for my wife, <laughs> I love NEC. NEC is one of my favorites. I I think the the hardest thing is about the <laughs> AV awards, from my point of view, is typically, uh, historically, it's always fallen on my stepdaughter's birthday, so I've never. I've never immersed myself in the whole shenanigans and jovialness of the awards. I've always driven there. I've always left by, literally done the awards, see if NEC wins and gone. Got in my car and driven home. I mean, even at one o'clock in the morning, London to home is a two hour drive from where the AV Awards has historically been held. So I've never, I mean, probably for the last five years now, I haven't, I don't want to say I haven't enjoyed it. I've loved catching up with colleagues I may not necessarily get hold of. 
but I haven't really thrown myself at the whole experience. But I don't think I'll attend this year. Uh, by the way, I just Googled it. I, I don't know where I got 500 from. Apparently, it's against the law if it's more than 30 in the UK at the moment. 30. Okay, yeah. Multi, for multi-purpose spaces. So, okay. um, it's going to be a problem. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I also don't think the AV Awards is going to go ahead in the in the version. I, that can't see it. No, I, I mean, it, it's a it's a huge expense to host the awards to start with. Mm. Oh, yeah. think that, I mean, Adam may know different figures because Adam's been a judge in the past as well. But I think it's something silly like a hundred pounds a head for a table. It table is traditionally a twelve. It's more than that. Is it? <laughs> it's, yes. it's, it's nearly two hundred pounds. Oh, yeah. so there you go then. I mean, yeah. and, and no one's no one's going to pay. No one's going to pay that money, and yeah. they're not going to recoup the money if they send it all virtual. I don't. I think the awards will be gifted this year. I don't think the awards show will be hosted. I want it's to be very wrong. difficult. I mean, because obviously, I mean, LTSMG, we run our conference in November, and that, you know, just trying to think about how you can do that safely is just a minefield. You know, there's certainly, from an insurance point of view, you, you've got no, there's nobody will cover you for anything. So you can book your conference and everything, and we have another spike and a shutdown and lockdown. Everything's gone. We've lost all the money. And that's a really difficult position to be in. So, you know, that's having a face-to-face -face event with large numbers of people. I just don't know how you can pull it off risk-free. You know, that's, you know, that's health and safety risk, financial risk and all sorts of things. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. It's a difficult one. But then it's November, but you have to make the decisions now. That's the trouble. So where was the LTSMG supposed to take place this uh, University of Northampton and okay. we were using Silverstone as the exhibition space so you know huge spaces but even so for one you know a university if I said to my boss I'm going to go away for a three-day residential conference in November I suspect the answer from the university would be like no you're not yeah and I suspect most universities are going to be in the same position well, you know, I'm, I'm wondering whether that decision is still going to be the case for ISE next year, because uh, that's February. I don't know whether the, you know at the moment we've got a travel ban at work. You can't go anywhere, sensibly, yeah. quite rightly. Um, when that lifts, who knows? I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, like all the others, LTSMG, we're just we're looking at how we can run an online event and make it fun. So, you know, give out just these vouchers, just these all the way, Adam. You, yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> I just deliver some beer, you know, beer yeah. deliveries to I the, mean, the house. As you can fun. imagine, those kind of ideas have already been put on the table, judging by how we normally run things. So, yeah, it's good. But, you know, you need to make the things engaging, like we've said before. So you need to attend. And it, it needs to be like a real event, like our real event. And that's very difficult to do uh, online. So you need to make some compromises to try and make it as good as you can and that's what we're in the process of trying to plan at the moment that's a, that's uh, what i haven't experienced in any of these virtual environments okay the the closest i've come to is the qsc which ltsmg hosted where we are able to physically see some products but i just thought for something like infocom there was no physical seeing of the products unless unless you dug right down into the site i think it, it, it 
bigger exposure could have been done with the main products that were available at Infocom. You know, it took the likes of other podcasters, I won't name them, but you can guess who I'm talking about, to actually show us physical products of, uh, on Infocom again, even though it was virtual. And that's the biggest problem. Yeah, uh, question for you, though. How many, and maybe this is even a question for uh, Graham and Michelle being a manufacturer side. Once Infocom said, we, we're out, we're, we're not doing this, did, did you all change your release schedules to no longer be, it's got to be at Infocom? And so therefore, you don't really need, because I didn't see much announcement of, okay, this is the bright and shiny new thing. There might have been a few things. But in general, there's, that's always been kind of a key point in the industry that didn't seem to be there. And now it's, okay, we'll release when we can get our own week to, to be able to make it shine. We'll release here, we released early. And you started seeing that. So maybe that's why you don't get the products that you wanted to see out of an Infocom like you'd normally have, because there was no need to have to do that. I don't know. There was a charge associated with having the virtual booth uh, the products they showcased were actually the stuff we talked about at ISC, which did go on. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I do think everybody's just kind of in a bit of a holding pattern. Um, there's some stuff that we had talked about at ISC that was coming uh, that I think is brilliant, but it's still not here yet. And we're like, Hey Israel, make it a priority. We want this now. You know, like this is this is good stuff. Um, the ability to, and then people had tons of questions that I did speak with, and I didn't have any information. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, Vegeta, who is a, a marketing mm -hmm. a professional that works in AV, uh, she was like, Oh, Michelle, can you give me a virtual booth tour? I was like, I don't know. Can I? I have no idea how this platform <laughs> works. <laughs> like, we got zero instruction, zero I was education. Gonna ask Michelle, was there any training? Like, you know, no, no. <laughs> I was learning just like. Like you were just uh, like logging on and where does this go and how does this work and i mean i just went through my territory and everybody that was a participant um that wasn't with the manufacturer um, in a state that i cover i just was like hey i'm interested in meeting you and uh zero out of zero percent of all 100 percent of all strangers had zero uh desire to meet me I have a couple of friends that i already had uh scheduled some meetings so we could be like hi um this sucks you know we hate covid but uh, outside of that it was um it was very lonely it was the loneliest just... infocom ever I just think maybe manufacturers were AV professionals. It's, it's not reinventing the wheel here, guys. Like, okay, we can't be physically with people, right? We want to show off our product. What do we do? We get a camera. We show demo the product in front of a camera. I don't think anyone actually physically did that. Now I stand corrected. If someone tells me, no, people had pre-recorded videos that they played. We did. Did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. If you went to our booth, our virtual booth, which not everybody had them, you know, like some of the big boys did not have virtual booths. We had videos that we had taped at ISC of people discussing the products. Our booth is kind of in different sections, depending upon what the subject matter is. Um, and so, yeah, we, we did have that. Um, and I think it, we had five products, maybe. 
Michelle, it, you just balance it out and say, right, the cost of being in a virtual environment and a virtual boots at Infocom versus, hold on a minute, we could maybe design something simple on our website. We could yeah. actually do our own webinar. I know. And get people to join in. I think between that and I think a lot of people miss the ball of going, offer virtual swag. It's, what's, yeah. it's what gets people to boots at ISE at Infocom when you're physically there, what, mm -hmm. what have you got to give away to get people inside your booth? You know, what's going to make people come along to your virtual booth at Infocom or at any of, our, of these other webinars unless you're giving away something for free or offering a competition? There was no competitions that I know of. There was no, the only thing that I've been able to pick up as virtual swag is from doing the virtual 5K run and Gary Kay is going to send me a t-shirt. Woohoo! So I have yeah. one thing that's come out of it. You know, but I think that for something that it's not costing them, the manufacturers as much money, they could have offered a lot more freebies and competitions. Uh, well, go ahead. Well, I know for us, uh, you know, that the allocation that we were given by corporate for Infocom in light of the fact that, you know, India was completely shut down, 0% sales, our global lack of business, um, you know, the fact that we were having people doing rolling furloughs in other parts of the country. Uh, we had PPP, which is a paycheck protection program that you could apply for dependent upon the size and nature of your business. We did qualify, but as soon as that expired at the beginning of July, uh, domestically, we had to lay off 20% uh, of our workforce, which was really sad and heartbreaking because they, they really run it in the U.S. like a family business, and, and those are not empty words. And so... Unfortunately, you know, we're just trying to stay alive and trying to keep the doors open along with our end user and uh, integrator partners. And so the money just, I guess it depends. The money just wasn't there. It's not like it was a pot of gold and that we didn't have all these other insinuating circumstances. I think that's, but I do agree that swag would have been helpful. What about yourself, Graham? Yeah, I was going to uh, I was going to comment really on two things that Michelle had said just to expand on them. I think the the first one is there's a a natural assumption that just because these big corporates weren't paying tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars for booth space and staff costs etc., that actually there wasn't still a cost associated to doing this. Um, so to expand on that, I mean, ultimately there was going to be like you said. And time discounted, I think, being able to prepare yourself for full virtual booth tours. But without physically showing products, you're not going to generate interest, which is going to generate your quota, which is going to generate your sales. And mm -hmm. that, that all has to go through the panel pipeline. I mean, I, I can't speak for Kramer, but I know from an NEC standpoint, I mean, we're at, probably, I don't know, globally 40% of where we should be year to date. Yeah. I mean, well, it's been a massive kick in the balls. I mean, politely speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first element. I think the second element about virtual swag, though, is there's a difference between someone actually coming to your booth and spending 15 minutes with you going around, picking up a goodie bag and walking off, as opposed to somebody just registering to oh, be there. Send, send your email address on your address. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And then making no effort to actually follow through with that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I attended, uh, I was just looking through my calendar, I attended 11 sessions on the Infocom 
through various parts of the day. And, and yeah, most of it was in line with the EMEA timescales. I only did three uh, outside of that, uh, outside of my working day. Um, and I, I think the improvement factor needs to come from a wider audience. I mean, I don't think it's just a case of a manufacturer and an end user integration. I mean, I mean, no one that I know of here has factored in obviously how this has affected the, the, the intermediate channel partners, the system integrators, mm. because ultimately they lose both ways, right? Because they might bump into a new client or they may stumble across a stand and stumble across a product. And none of yeah. that, none of that inertia or impromptuness is available when you do it remotely. And I yeah. think that's a really big challenge they need to overcome. Um, I was trying to, I was trying to find the email, but I can't remember, but, Infocom was also cancelled very late. Let's not forget that. I mean, it was cancelled, what, late April, early May? Mm -hmm. So technically four weeks, five weeks maybe, to give to all get, these companies to yeah. transfer in our case, which would have been, I think it's like 800 square metres of stand, yeah. to three, four days of virtual content. Yes, you can post it afterwards, but, and this is a conversation, we've, we've run a series of webinars for a mere sense. There's a very big difference between a webinar, which is interact can be interactive two ways if the audience wants to participate, and watching a recording. Mm. And I know yeah. somebody, if somebody sends me a recording, I may or may not watch it, and I definitely won't watch it in real time. Or yeah. I'll, I'll start watching it, someone will take over, I'll come back and watch it, and I may not ever finish it. And that, that I think, is definitely a challenge where uh, the, there was not time to overcome as yeah. to how you're going to keep this live, fresh, and current. Yeah. Uh, and I think that scared people away. I, I know that um, Avixa released numbers saying that 40% of the audience was online. What was the total audience, though? What was the total audience numbers? I mean, 40% of yeah. 10,000 people, when that show would attract 50, 55,000 people in real time, actually, that's not something to be shouting from the rooftops about. Mm. Uh, well, uh, let's, let's put this on a different perspective with what Graham's just said there. Adam... You did a couple of webinars with LTSMG. Were the numbers low or were they at the average or were they high? Uh, it varied. It sort of, because we, we run them, we did quite a lot. Uh, I don't know, like 25, 30 or something like that with various different manufacturers. Depending on the time of day, depending on the numbers we got. So, you know, a sort of half 10, 11 o'clock in the morning were really good. If you started to get into the afternoon, it tended to drop off really heavily. Um, we did some with uh, Greg Jeffries from Visual Displays, and that was more educational, a lot about discus and Piscar and all that kind of stuff. They were really, really well attended, they were. So we, we kind of went for the morning slot that worked pretty well for us with the manufacturer stuff. Um, yeah, just did like, one a day for five days on various different things. And we, you know, we were sort of, you know, getting really, really good numbers for that. So. It depended. So, some, you know, bombed really badly, sort of, you know, 10, 15 people, but others were, you know, knocking on the door of 100-ish, which, you know, it, it was pretty good for us. Which is, the, which is the normal numbers that you would nearly have at an LTSMG conference around 100. Yeah, so, you know, we, the conference for the delegates is normally, the residential stuff is about 70 people. We normally, because we fully fund everybody, so we have to limit it somewhere. But, yeah, so we were getting more people than we would at a conference, which is pretty good. I mean, that whole experience gave us some good ideas about what we could do in November. And actually, me logging into a load of different webinars and different sessions and the Avixa stuff and 
you know, over the last few months. And you can see, you can see people's journey. You know, it started off with a load of webinars, which like Graham said, were just recordings. And then it got more interactive. And I've, you know, I've kind of got like a, what works and what doesn't in my head now. So, you know, we've got the benefit of end of the year, we can sort of try and learn from everybody's, you know, everyone was trying to gear up and change the way they were trying to teach and sell and everything. So yeah, it's interesting. There is, there is definitely some hooks that you can get people into it with. So, you know, some of your things you've been mentioning may or may not be something you'll be hearing about soon. <laughs> okay, not going to let up any secrets. Joe, with the headma, like, how, how have you got on? Uh, do, you, do you find the numbers are up or down or what you're hoping? Um, I was utterly shocked at how good our numbers were. I mean, I, I was like, and not only that, when I looked at, and I will not give away names at all, but when I looked at the people who were in the sessions, I was like, holy crap, like, this is crazy. Like, this is something, you know? Um, and so that was kind of cool. Um, and, and, but, you know, and it's not necessarily about that. It's obviously the whole purpose of HETMA is to build up uh, and kind of advocate for our vertical and to be able to have a community of people be able to share ideas that all have the same, you know, just like LTS and GM. I mean, it's the same idea of being able to share and build up one another. And it was really interesting um, when I saw how much it just took off. And that was with, honestly, not really promoting it as much as I'd wanted to, because it just took a while to get, uh, to work through all the details with the VIXA, since we obviously, once they canceled uh, Infocom in person, we held all of the sessions, you know, we hosted all the sessions that would have been held in person at HEPMA conference mm -hmm. uh, for the higher ed vertical. So it took a while to kind of work through those details, giving us really only two and a half weeks to uh, really push it out and promote it. But in a way it's okay, because we were all so busy that it really wouldn't have mattered anyway. And it's actually makes an interesting point about um, watching the videos. None of us is, have probably ever gone back to one of the conferences and rewatched the videos. Um, and in fact, even if you look at like, like with us, you had, you know, AV Nation, then you have Rave Part 1, and then and then us, and then Infocom, and then Rave Part 2. It's like, bam, 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 all these right in a row, which actually, I've yet to release the Etma videos. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, first off, notice that nobody noticed that. Uh, so I know the point that nobody actually goes back and watch them. And part of it was because I'm busy and trying to play catch up and what, and you it's know, a lot of heavy backwards. lifting, right, to do that. Yeah. yeah. But, but also, I recognize, I didn't, what, what good is it throwing all these videos out when you have Infocom going on? Like, I could have right. finished up the week and throw them out. So what we're doing is actually going to release it now that they're kind of dying down and kind of do a, a, a re-release, you nice. know, as in the next couple of weeks and go, here's all those sessions that you couldn't make. Because we heard the same thing. Like people would jump in and jump out. It's actually the beauty of ours. You don't have to plan to attend for the whole thing. It's yeah. meant to kind of pop in, pop out, you know, join the community when you're busy. So, but we also knew that that was really impacted. When I watched the numbers go, the, the I mean, I said the, the three keynote panels, the beginning of each day were just skyrocket numbers. And by the way, and all three of them were just fantastic. I mean, they were just awesome. 
But then also the lunch and learns with Crestron, Extron, and Sure were skyrocket numbers. So those were obviously things that people actually wanted to see, made sure to put, either put them on their calendar in general, and then kind of popped in and popped out of other stuff. Now you said lunch and learn, Joe. Did you offer any virtual lunches? No, it was actually a plan. So originally we had talked about getting, um, you know, like either having sponsoring, I'd actually had a liquor sponsor for the happy hours, but that ended up being a horrific nightmare of how we're going to ship all that and what the costs were. So it was kind of, so we had some ideas to do that um, and do like, hey, the first 50 people who sign up, but then it was the, well, who, who is it going to be? Are you going to just send it to all the different, because we know we get a good mix of people too. And then you feel like a jerk if you're like, yeah, I know you signed up, but you're not in higher ed, so you don't get any. You know what I mean? Like, so how do you actually do that? Um, we haven't figured that out yet, but it was kind of one of those ideas. So, but yeah, so that's what we actually, actually call it lunchish and learn, because it was what, 10 a.m. for me. Uh, or 10, I don't know what time, but then it was like one o'clock on the East Coast. Like, you know, if you were in mountain time, you got to actually have lunch, yeah. right? <laughs> or whatever. So that was about it. Um, now, but no. Do we actually see ISE happening in, like, I think Spain is getting another pot spike at the moment of cases. Do we see us going to Barcelona in February? No. That's a great question. <laughs> well, I think Mike Blackman already came out and said, regardless of whether Americans are still banned in Europe, ISC shall go on, which really hurt my feelings. XOXO, Mike. <laughs> um, but I get it. I get it. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I was, you know, it's weird because I was kind of holding back a little bit thinking, oh, well, this will probably be done. And, you know, like a three to four month period was what I originally anticipated. And I'll be able to get on the road and travel. And now I'm just like, okay, Michelle, let's stop being in denial. It's a very comfortable place, but let's be realistic. And, you know, you're just going to have to engage people remotely. And 2020 is screwed for lack of a, a more formal term. And yeah. does anyone actually want to remember this year when we get to like New Year's no. Eve? Oh, oh my God, what a year that's been. I'm going to celebrate. Yeah. I know. I just hope that when we do get to New Year's Eve, that we will be able to celebrate that 2021 is going to be different. That's my hope. Just, what a roaring 20s we're having. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> honestly, People talk about the second spike. I'm thinking ahead and going to third spike. If you talk about 50, I know it's the state, it's massive. But when you talk about 54 to 55,000 new cases, no one has a hold on this in America. Joe, I'm going to put out my crystal ball and say, I don't see you guys getting over to Ireland if there's spikes across the states with COVID-19. I don't think you're going to be You, like you better let me in. It's November. I know. We have we have to have a beer together in November. That's plenty of time. Yeah, well, you know, you just bring your face mask, you know. Hey, I'm going to Jamaica in a week and a half, so, you know. Are you? I'm nice. Getting, yeah. What city? Uh, I know. Uh, Negril. Oh, I love me some Negril. Awesome. Yeah. So, and they're open. They're reopened, so. Which resort? Uh, uh, I don't know. My wife takes Are, are you a light traveler? I, I just, she, she just sends me a calendar invite, tells me where we're going. So, so you are actually it. allowed out, out of the States in two weeks' time? Oh, yeah. We okay. Can, that, we can travel. Uh, yeah, we haven't been banned from where. the Caribbean. Yeah. Okay. So 
So you do have a list of, of places that you're allowed to travel to. You're not allowed mm -hmm. to travel to Europe at the moment, I guess. Currently, I can still go to Ireland. Can you? All right. In England, yeah. We, I, we've checked it to see if we're allowed to, but we are, but we can't go to, I don't know. I don't know how you guys refer to it. Mainland Europe, <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, well, this way, if we found out tomorrow that IC was still going ahead, or if there was cases, if we're in the current scenario in February, but we're allowed to travel, would you go? Adam, would you go to IC? Uh, yeah, probably. If it, you know, I'd need to be convinced, but I'd, I'd really like to go. But I'd have to, you know, you have to, you have to see. I mean, it's whether the organisation I work for would allow it. One, whether my wife would allow it. Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, you know, hopefully it's far enough in for me to say yes. It'd be good. So. Graham, would you travel? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll be short. I'm on business. If I die, Shirley becomes rich. <laughs> Okay, that's the one way of looking at. Joe, you've been to one ISC. Would you go to Barcelona if you're allowed to I'm, go? I'm planning on being there. So, you know, if now you know, I may be self-funding it, depending upon whether or not, because I don't think that our institution will allow non-essential travel yet um, at that point. At least, well, let me rephrase that. I already know they won't because we're blocking a non-essential travel for all this next academic year. So um, I would go if it's, you know, if it's open and I still think it's important and I would just, you know. Good to have you. Eleanor joins us from AV Nation. Uh, we've, been, we've been discussing uh, different bits and pieces about COVID-19, Infocom, ISE. We're, okay. we're just on the topic of ISE and Barcelona. Okay. If, if, Eleanor, if, if you thought that ISE could go ahead uh, in February. Would you attend if you're allowed to travel? I'm jumping in right at the <laughs> right in the deep end, aren't I? Um, yeah, I mean, it's I'm a journalist. I work for AV Nation. Uh, we have every intention of attending if we're allowed to uh, to travel. Uh, the U.S. is currently <laughs> banned from the European Union, so bad from traveling to the European Union. So we, we, we're just keeping an eye on that situation as well as the COVID-19, uh, you know, developments on the vaccine and so on. Yeah, the, well, what's your future thoughts on, I'm, I'm gonna go around the table here. What is your future thoughts um, for, for COVID-19 and working remotely? Like Adam, Currently, our, our university is saying, well, blended learning, working remotely and um, online as much as possible into term one, which will bring us up to December. Um, do you see it going further than that with COVID-19? Uh, oh, I don't know. Who knows? I think, yeah, I mean, oh, my university is the same. So I think we have a plan for semester A and going into semester B, which is um, January next year. Uh, it'll, it'll change, I guess, on a daily, weekly basis as, as things develop, but it's, it's kind of difficult. You need to give the students some information. So, you know, we've, like I said, we've gone, it'll be a blended learning for the first bit, and then we'll see where we are. So 
really difficult. But the working from home thing is really interesting, actually, because I think there was a lot of people who weren't convinced that it could be successful are now. So, you know, using Zoom and Teams and everything, you know, a lot of the senior management, you know, had to be convinced that people would be effective working from home. And I think that battle's been won. So hopefully it does change our, our landscape a little bit. Now, with, with some, you mentioned earlier about some of the phases that you have for installs. And do you, th do you see any of this being pulled back and rolled back because less students are on campus? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, all the universities are going to be financially affected. So until our student numbers are confirmed, you know, usually that's sort of in mid-December that, you know, the students who are there, we, we know they're going to stay. Um, we're, we're starting our, our semester A sort of mid-September, but we're not starting the teaching until a little bit into October, just to allow people to get into the country. If there's issues with flights to do any quarantine they may have to do. So, you know, trying to make it as accessible as possible. So, you know, we obviously the university is in constant contact with students who've had places offered, especially the internationals. Are you going to come and attend? So, you know, I think the news is hopefully pretty good. I don't, you know, we're not getting any information from the university saying there's a massive problem. However, I think they're being careful quite rightly about what they're spending. So, you know, our project's looking into next year there's not a lot been approved at the moment but you know that's that's as expected i guess until we know the situation in december is there any projects that you looked at adam where you just went okay i'm going to do this differently now because of COVID 19. yeah there's a there's a few i mean we we did start the you know transitioning over to you know the wireless presentation a little while ago we started to make it a little bit more embedded into the what we're doing for our teaching rooms um, you know, there is a little bit of a jump now that we could do, you know, contactless presentation and stuff like that. So we, we're kind of there, you know, we, we need a little bit of alteration, but, you know, the tweaks to our main system schematics are small. So the next bunch of delivery will be a, a slight advance on what we're doing at the moment. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I've got 21 install projects stacked up, ready to go. Um, but actually going forward from that, there's not a lot on the horizon at the moment, but I, I wouldn't have expected it to be like that. So. Joe, I'm going to throw the same type of question at you. Like, do you think that anything that's changed with COVID-19 with regards to your installs or moving forward with projects on your campus? Well, all it's done is push them up more and it grew the scope. I mean, again, and I've said, I've, I've been lucky in the fact that I already had a solution for this before. It was already in the plan to upgrade all of our spaces to, you know, bring us into hybrid teaching and do that as an enterprise solution prior to COVID. So once COVID happened, it was, oh, cool. I look like the smartest guy in the room all of a sudden. And then, um, and then it became- a Great point. How many people have just figured out that the, the smartest guy in the room, well, we always knew it <laughs> ourselves, but all of a sudden that people are listening to the AV techs going, Oh, Justin, how do you do a Zoom call? It's like, yeah, if you listened to me years ago about virtual meetings and how to, <laughs> you know. In, in their defence, they had to go from campus-based teaching to online delivery mm -hmm. in yeah. seven days. So that's, you know, changing everything they've done for the last five, ten years.
yep. rewrite all their content, think of a new way to engage with the students. And actually, you know, we've got a department, Learning and Teaching Innovation Centre, geared up. You know, that's all they do is teach people how to use technology and, and use technology to develop their teaching with it. So obviously they've been stacked completely since this started, but you know it's a massive change for a university. So suddenly they're bombarded with you know, right? You've been standing in front of a class of thirty people plus for you know x number of years. That's all out the window now. You've got to do it differently. So yeah, I think we've you know I've been a bit um, okay with our academics. They've done a really good job of getting this all working. So you know, we emails. Like we can let them live with that. We can let them go. The thing is. You make a good point. The thing, like the technology is actually the easy part. Absolutely. It, I mean, it really is. We, I, don't tell any, anyone outside of our industry that, but it really is the easy part. Um, I really hate to be a faculty member right now. Yeah. You're realizing, especially at an elite institution where it was known that you got in, you got your tenure, you got your classroom, you, you focused on how to, how to instruct. You got good at doing it that way. And then all of a sudden you're told, okay, now you're going online, change all that. You're thrown in, you know, your course isn't designed to be delivered that way. You're not used to it. It's a different feel. And now we're going to tell them, okay, come back. Now you're going to do this hybrid thing and yeah. you're going to have some yeah. people around, some are going to be online and now they have to learn again. And then you see these articles of people going, oh, online learning sucks and this isn't worth it. And that's like, seriously, you're, you know what your faculty members have to go through to do this? You know, and the thing is their knowledge is still just as valuable, whether it's in person or online. There's just a learning curve. Right. There's a learning curve both for the students and the faculty. And I would hate to be them. We can have, we have technology. I mean, you could, if you throw money at it, we can fix the problem. You know, we have technologies that can make this happen. You know, that, and right now the purse strings are open, right? I mean, everyone's throwing money at this stuff because the yeah. only way you're going to be able to collect tuition and stay open. You know, um, it comes back to something that you, and it, what introduced me to you way back, even it wasn't before I see an Infocom and everything. It's, you wrote a, an article at the time when you were, um, I don't know, was it part of your doctorate, but it was getting, people to embrace the new technology. You, we can throw money at technology. If the faculty members don't understand it or don't know how to use it, where it's good as dead, you can you can throw as much money as you want at it. But if they, it's changing their mindset of, well, mm -hmm. and this is what happened with COVID. They had to change their mindset. They had to use, yes. they had to, you know, figure out how to do online classes. But I, for me, working in a, in a school of nursing and with clinical skills labs, this is our biggest challenge. Some mm -hmm. people still want to teach in clinical skills labs and are talking about, OK, can we do pods and can we work in small groups to, to show the, the simulation? And then others are saying, well, hold on, we're partnered with all these major hospitals in Ireland. When they go out on work experience, is that enough? And then there's me in the middle going, okay, well, I'm just the AV technician. You tell me what technology you want put in the rooms and give me a budget and I'll put it in the rooms. But it's getting between this fine line. And then I'll, I'll throw out this question. Some people are going, okay, virtual reality. We can all do a virtual reality, you know, and we can do simulations on virtual reality. Personally, 
I hate virtual reality. I hate this whole idea of like cartoon characters, even if you want to, some of them, yes, I agree. Very realistic, very realistic. But I seen one product, I won't name the product, but it brought me into the environment and it's all virtual reality and whatnot. And you can do it without a headset, which one thing that I, annoys me about virtual reality is like we must wear a headset no we don't have to wear a headset you yeah. know let's, let's let's have mixed reality here guys if we're going to do anything but it brought you into the environment and then they had pre-recorded voices of the nurse and the patient and the student would then go to the machine and select different menus on the on the screen and it's pre-recorded well, that's just like taking a multiple choice exam. That's students are just going to press every button until they find out which is yeah. the right procedure. So I then asked the person that that owned the product, okay, can you put in the can students actually just use their own voice? Oh, it's in beta stage. Okay, so you don't have a finished product is my view. You know, yeah. you want to have the people being able to physically talk back to the room. And then I thought to myself, well, hold on, let's simplify this a minute, guys. If you had an environment where you're allowed to have certain people go into a lab, bring the faculty into the lab, get an IP camera, streaming on whatever system you want. There's questions yeah. they want to use Zoom or not now. Streaming on Zoom, have everyone in the classroom, and someone can put their hand up, unmute their mic, and talk back to the faculty member. It's as cheap as chips in comparison to spending a lot of money on a platform or products like virtual reality, which is, I believe, very much in its infancy. Did you say cheap as chips? Cheap as is that like a phrase? Yes, it is. Adam, back me up on this. Is this a British phrase? <laughs> it is, yeah. Chips are cheap. <laughs> yeah. Chips are, chips are cheap. Yeah. They're really cheap. Yeah. Any more than not. I'm going to go around the circle. Do you do you do you guys get a lot of this? Well, I I I'm guessing Joe, you get a, a fair bit of it in, in higher ed, and Adam, you get a bit bit of it. But do you see some platforms trying to take advantage? Oh, everyone's trying to take advantage, but see certain areas where they they're really trying to push through the net now because of COVID nineteen and go, we can offer something different. I think um, to answer that, Justin. I, 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 we're exploring it for various reasons. But I mean, I think Zoom have got quite clever with the um, Facebook Live plugin that they've got. Um, so they don't have to necessarily force students to get to a Zoom account if it's going to just be a webinar based scenario because they can push it out to another social media platform, which, let's be fair, 4 billion people around the world are part of already. Yeah. Uh, but I, th I think you're right. I mean, uh, I I'm a believer in Zoom. I used Zoom before COVID and I'll use it post COVID. Uh, and it's given me sleepless nights during COVID. <laughs> I've been really polite about it. But I mean, they, they got it right. Yes, they had some issues, but they got it right. You only got to look at their accelerated numbers. They went from 10 million users to whatever it was, 300 million users in a month. Uh, I think that the new kids on the block, though, are challenging them. I mean, Google Meet, with the exception yeah. of audio-only participants, will do everything that uh, Zoom does. And I think that, I think Google Meet is, is, is the new kid on the block. It's just whether or not 
they've got a device, the multi-device support that Zoom have got right, and I've yet to see that. I've had one or two experiences on Google yeah, Meet. I, I find I find Google is nice we have a Google campus, but Google I I find latency problems with Google in comparison to Zoom. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you on that. Yeah, Eleanor, I I know you you come from a, a totally different background as editor of AV Nation. You know you've probably heard the higher ed, you've heard the private, you've heard the public sector. What's your thoughts on what's coming up in the future with regards to COVID-19, how people work and... Well, I mean, for us, we've been really focused on the UCC space, um, which is obviously part of the education and, and workspace workflow practices, right? Um, how that technology is evolving quite quickly to address these, uh, the challenges of working from home and, and uh, distance learning. Um, I haven't heard the virtual reality thing come into play, but I think one thing that we really need to think about too is what the cost is to the end user mm -hmm. or the student, because a lot of students do not have the money to invest in these technologies that are going to, that, you know, we're encouraging uh, teachers to use this virtual reality. Well, how are kids going to use that? How are, how are students who, are on scholarships and you know just don't have the money to facilitate this technology growth i think that's something that we really need to pay attention to we can talk about the evolution as much as we want but is it is it tenable in terms of um, pricing and can everyone use it is it accessible to everyone uh, these are the questions i'm focused on as a as a journalist well, I'm going to, I know, I know, I know, Elna, you must, uh, I don't know, did we get the time zone wrong, but we were on for now. We did, we yeah, did. No, no um, the, conversion, the conversion was, told me 11, 11 a.m. CT. Not, so, not, sorry not, about that. Not, not all. Don't worry about <laughs> that. We, we have been on for an hour, but um, I want to, I'm going to ask you this question. Um, I, I'm guessing, well, things are changing all the time with regards to COVID. Sometimes you can't travel, sometimes you can't travel. It's the summer holidays. Graham, first of all, you ha the kids are off. It's the summer holidays. Are you going to be going anywhere on the summer holidays with the kids? Uh, I mean, we may do day trips, but yeah. that'll be the extent of it. It's uh, it, The uncertainty much earlier on has pretty much put paid to us as, as families booking anything. Uh, we looked at a couple of UK staycations, and we, I mean, yeah. we're talking like two and a half to three thousand pounds. This is it, in the UK. I was like, forget it. I'd rather spend that money elsewhere. Well, you know what? I have Centre Parks in, in Ireland booked in October, and I've had it booked before COVID-19. Same idea that they're cancelling different parts of activities, and, but they're still trying to entice you. It's like, yeah, but we'll give you an extra 100 euro if you just keep your holiday. To be honest, it's a holiday. I have a, a three-year-old and a seven-month-old. It's just getting away. We're not going outside of Ireland, but um, no, to be honest, even if they opened up the, the airports tomorrow and said we can travel wherever we want, I don't want to. I just think it's too much of a heavy risk. I'm, I haven't used public transport since March, so mm. I just I just don't want it to, to take the risk. Well, I... Uh... Justin, sorry to cut short across you. I, I'm uh, I'm a regular traveller through Heathrow, so I get their like daily updates. And Heathrow have made it mandatory now that through 
all aspects of being inside their airport, including car parks, you have to wear face masks. Oh, Anybody found not wearing a face mask, and that's travelling to, from, or through Heathrow, will be banned from being in the airport or any of the airport grounds. Um, I mean, that's fine. Heathrow can mandate that, but if other incoming or outgoing airports don't and the airliners don't, it, it's a wasted effort. Mm. Now, Elmer, I, I know Tim would, is talking about hopefully getting to the AV Awards in, in London if it takes place and everything. For yourself, do you do you feel that you're going to travel for work or pleasure or anything during the summer? This is an ongoing conversation, but for me personally, because of health concerns, I won't. Um, yeah. I'm a diabetic and I'm at high risk of, you know, suffering badly if I get COVID. It's not going to be a mild case necessarily for me if I were to contract COVID-19. So I am in agreement with Tim and in the discussions with Tim, not going to travel until we are safe that I am not, you know, at risk of, of, of catching this. Um, I just moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma about three months ago in the middle of the lockdown, just as, just as it began. And I've seriously not been out in Tulsa. I've been out in Tulsa maybe four times total since wow. I've moved here. I have the apartment I'm in is, is, is my entire environment. So you're doing, you're doing all the research of what you're going to see when you are allowed to see it. Guys, I, I know, I know Graham has to cut off and I, I better go and feed some three-year-old children as well. But it's been great talking to you, Graham and Eleanor. Eleanor, I hope to have you again. On, on, on like, I apologize so much. I, I, I had the time wrong and, and I was, I thought I was in there. I was get signing on early. And, and, I, I apologize for that. The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E media.ie.